Hey everybody, it's Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. And you can download the Fern Creek Christian Church app on your phone today. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus, to be a disciple that makes more disciples. So without further ado, here's the message. Well, hey, Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> we made it, didn't we? Woo! How many of you stayed up to watch the ball drop? Let me see your hands. How many of you said, I've been there, done that, I've seen it. I don't need to do that. I don't need to. All right, all right. Hey, I, I don't know about you, but uh, man, the last like couple of weeks has just seemed like overload uh, mode to me. I mean, there was so much going on. There was wrapping, unwrapping, scheduling, preparing, shoveling, canceling, traveling, celebrating. There's so many emotions that we go through in that 30 to 35 days between you know Thanksgiving and the end of the year. I don't know about you, but it, it felt nice for a couple of days just to hit the pause button and to kind of, so I, I hope, I hope you were able to do that. I hope you were able to kind of catch your breath, pause a little bit, because that's really important. It's important to take a breather, important to take a break, because here's why. We sit here today on the first day of the year already attempted to start the hamster wheel back up going again and go, 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 go. How? By setting New Year's resolutions, right? How many of you have set New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Anybody? A couple people? I mean, you know, we, it's all about like, okay, it's a new year. We got we to gotta keep rolling. So maybe it's like... I'm going to learn Italian, or I'm going to drop 30 pounds, or I'm going to join Planet Fitness, or I will never, ever, ever cheer for the University of Georgia ever again. <laughs> I'm not even traveling through Georgia for another year. My Ohio State Buckeyes came up short, so I'm, I'm in mourning today. But before we start the new year up, and before we start that go, go, go mentality, I want to keep the pause button depressed for a little longer. I wanna, I wanna continue this idea of, hey, catch your breath. Let's look back, instead of moving forward, let's just sit here for a minute and let's look back over our shoulder and let's, let's remind ourselves of how good God has been to us, how faithful he's been. What, what did God do amongst us last year before we're tempted to, to move forward with a new year? It's, it's critical, not just as an individual. Like, like, like again, like I hope, if you haven't done it, I hope you will at least take a little bit of your day to just sit and, and to reflect on what, where has God brought you and how have you seen him move and what is he doing in your life? It's important to do that as an individual. It's important to do that as a community. And that's one of the things that we're gonna do this morning on Vision Sunday is to remind ourselves as a community all the good things that God has done for us. And it's important, it's biblical. There was a time in the nation of Israel, the people of God, where they were called to do this. Um, they, they were facing an enemy that was gonna invade their land, the Philistines, it was kind of their arch rival. They would always have these battles and the Philistines were threatening to invade. They outnumbered the Israelites and the Israelites are like, we are doomed. God, unless you intervene, we, we will be defeated and, and, and just killed. So God sent the prophet Samuel 
to the Israelites, to the prophet Samuel, Samuel said, listen, you have forsaken the Lord. You have become idolatrous. You've worshiped pagan idols. You've given your heart to other gods. God says you need to repent and you need to come back to him. And so the nation did, they, they repented. They told God that they were sorry. God heard them, God saw them and God delivered them. I mean, when, when, the, when the Philistines attacked, the Israelites were able to repel them and God saved them. And you got to imagine like after going through a, a skirmish like that, the people are all, probably like, man, that was awesome but we got things to do. We got to rebuild and we got to refortify. We got to restock. There's so much. And, and, and Samuel said, no, before we do any of that, look, look at what Samuel did. Look at first Samuel chapter seven. Look at verse 12. Look at what he did. Samuel took a large stone. He placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshana. He named the stone. He named the rock Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. And I find that really interesting that, that Samuel said, now listen, I, I, need, I need to do something so they, they don't forget because we're prone to forget. Like, I don't know, like, like, do you remember what God did for you? Like, like sometimes we're like, well, what have you done for me lately? And, and Samuel's like, no, like, like I'm gonna put this big rock in the middle of these two towns that people go between. I'm gonna name the rock and it's gonna be so like outlandish that why is that rock standing there that you will tell your children and they'll tell their children, well, this, this is when God helped us. And so it's good to remember. It's good to kind of remind ourselves of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And so before we move forward, I, I wanna raise our own Ebenezer. I wanna talk about some of the great things and praise God for some of the great things that he did amongst us last year. So when I think about some of the things that I'm grateful for, some of the, the things of God that I saw him move. Our, the Fern Creek family has grown. I am so thrilled that, that there's always an open chair at our table. Now, I want you to know something. Like, like we don't have this goal. Like, like we, we don't wanna be the biggest church in Louisville. That, that, that's not our goal. We don't sit around in staff meeting going, how can we take this church's spot? How can we become this big, giant behemoth of a church? We, we don't have any desire for any of that. What, what, we, what we do is we say, how can we be the best stewards we can be appointing people to God? Like how, how can we love, live, and lead like Jesus in a way that will draw people to him, right? So, so last year, look at what we saw. Last year, we saw 43 baptisms and 74 transfers. Our family grew by 117 new additions. And, and again, I celebrate. We start off a new year with a brand new sister in Christ, but I celebrate when people connect with us. That's, that's like a 29% increase. We, again, like if your family grew by almost 30%, I think that would be an exciting thing. And so before we move forward, can we just stop and thank God for all the new brothers and sisters that have joined the kingdom, the Fern Creek family. I, I, I am thrilled and, and, and to start the new year off with a new sister in Christ again is, is just a thrilling thing. Now, I want, you to, I, want, I want you to know something. I want to remind you something about growth. I think growth is, is, is natural. I think growth is normal, but I want you to understand something about growth. When you look around at a lot of churches today, a lot of churches are in big trouble. They're struggling, they're shrinking, 
and they're dying. And I want to tell you why I think that is. As someone in the trenches, as a pastor, as a professional in the field, let me give you my opinion on why we're seeing so much trouble in the church. Here's why I think. In a rush to embrace the culture, to try to become more popular, more politically correct, more seeker-friendly, as I look around, a lot of churches have caved and they've replaced the sound doctrine of scripture with a mamby-pamby, watered-down, secularized, distorted view of scripture. I, I, think, I think you just look, if you just look, you will see that happening in a lot of churches around us. In a lot of, in churches, the word of God is no longer viewed as inspired or authoritative. In churches, the hard teachings of Jesus are never preached. In churches, judgment, obedience, and repentance have been canceled. So what you see today, instead of churches who know and embrace and uphold the fundamental teachings of the Bible, we find churches that are more concerned about what people think than about what God thinks. So they're politically correct, socially relevant, entertaining, and yet they're biblically illiterate and biblically impoverished. And that's been Satan's trick from the beginning. I mean, you remember in the Garden of Eden, what he did with Eve, did God really say? And so you look around at churches and that's what he's whispering in the ears of many churches today. Did God really say marriage is a lifetime covenant between a man and a wife? Did a man and a woman, did God really say that? Did God really say life begins in the womb? Did God really say Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life? Did God really say, pick up your cross and follow him? And a lot of churches are just jettisoning and they're trying to relabel and recalculate well, what the Bible really means, what it really meant to say, or what I think it means is X. And, and I tell you, these are the churches that are dying. These are the churches with no power no blessing, no favor, no future. And I, here's what I say, rightfully so. You know, when you look at, 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 at the number of baptisms and the number of transfers we had, you'd say, well, there are more people who are transferring that are being baptized and we shouldn't be stealing anyone's sheep. And I would say, well, we're not stealing any sheep. But what I am saying is if there are churches who refuse to preach the gospel of Jesus and a remnant of those people leave, good for them because they need to be in a place where the Bible is upheld and taught accurately. So I want you to understand our leadership, our elders, our deacons want you to know Fern Creek Christian Church is not ashamed of the gospel. Man, it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. It's not outdated. It doesn't need to be revamped. And it is the word of God. And we will always preach that word, no matter how we grow or if we grow. That word will always be preached in a spirit of love and truth. So as we continue to receive God's blessing, as he continues to add to our number, one of the other things I want to celebrate is that we want this to be a place where you feel connected. 
We want this to be a family. We don't want me a mile long and an inch deep. We want you to, to know that you're part of a family, a family here. God designed us to live in community. We always say it. Christianity is not a solo sport. You're not meant to travel the faith alone. You're wired to be in community with other people, to love and to be loved, to serve and to be served. Think about how important community is to God. God told Adam, it's not good for the man to be what? Alone. So Adam, I'm gonna create for you a helper, another person, and he created Eve. Jesus was part of a life group. Did you know that? There were 12 other men that he traveled life with. He was a part of a group. The Trinity, the Godhead exists in community. God is not, you know, just by himself. There's Father, there's Son, and there's Holy Spirit. So community is hardwired. It's an important segment of your journey with God. Studies have shown that people who are not part of a close relational group are twice as likely to die this year than people who are connected to a relational group. Isn't that, isn't that staggering? Like if you're in a, in a group, you're twice as likely to live this year than opposed to if you're not in a group. So I guess I would put it this way. It's better to eat donuts in your life group than to eat broccoli alone. That dog will hunt, right? Yeah. And it's not just my opinion. In the early days of the church, community was a big part of what they did. So, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, Life, Death, Burial, Resurrection of Jesus. The next book, the book of Acts, is the history of the early church. It traces how the church started. And when you look at what the church thought was important, this is what you find. Look at Acts chapter 2. This is after the day of Pentecost and the church was birthed. Look at Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to a couple of things. The apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So when you read the book of Acts, the church committed themselves to four things. Uh, they committed themselves to study, to prayer, the church potlucks <laughs> and, and, and this thing called fellowship where they met together. You know, uh, on Sunday, they 3,000, the first church started with 3,000 people. It's a big church. And every Sunday they gathered at the portico and the, by the temple in Jerusalem to hear the apostles preach. 3,000 of them. But, but that was just the gathering. After that, they broke into smaller groups and they would meet together in homes and they would love one another and know one another. And there's just, I, there's something that doesn't take place if you just come on Sunday morning. There's a time and a season for that. But if you're just coming on Sunday morning, slipping in and slipping out, man, there's so much more that you're missing. And, and so this whole idea of community and being connected is really, really important and something that we we kind of bang that drum all the time. Get involved, get involved with a life group. So, so, so like last, last year, one of the things I celebrate is our Dinners for Eight. We, we did this thing called Dinners for Eight last summer where we had like, I think 47 people open their homes and then we had you sign up to go to a dinner in their home. And the idea was now don't go to like, like you know, people that you know, go, go to someone's house that you don't know. And everybody took like a dish and, and it, that, that whole week, we just heard so many great comments of people who, well, I never met. And I, it was such a, there were groups that played wiffle ball. 
There were groups that play just a lot of laughter. There was even a group that had salsa dancing, which I'm going to that group next year, right? I mean, there was just, but it was just this night of just being able to meet and laugh and connect with, with, the, with the body, with brothers and sisters in Christ that call Fern Creek home. We're gonna be doing that again this summer, but, but I celebrate our dinners for eight. I celebrate our life groups. Again, you're gonna hear us keep pounding that. Rich and I teach something called Connect. We teach it like, I think twice a year. The next one's gonna launch in a couple weeks, but it's, if you've never been involved in a life group, Rich and I lead a life group for about eight to 10 weeks. And we just say, now here's, here's the rhythm. Two weeks of study, one week of service, one week of party, where we just kind of party. And we, we get to know each other and study and serve. And then as a result of that, we've had two groups at the end of it, we had two groups say, well, we wanna to continue to meet. And so man, we had two new, brand new life groups that were created from that. We have 20 to 25 different life groups that meet during the week. So again, every night of the week, we've got some kind of group meeting somewhere. Um, Matt Zola just started a young adult. So young adults, college age, young adults, there's a group that meets every week for you guys. So it's important to be able to connect with other Christian believers in your faith. And so we celebrate what God is doing in community. And we wanna encourage you to be part of a small group. Other victories, when I look about, when I think about last year, dirty laundry, um, we do that every year. And this, this was a brilliant one. It's a night of worship where we get together. We had four or five folks from the fam, Fern Creek family who shared their story. We do not pretend here. That's one of the things you're gonna learn about us. Um, we are all, I, I wish you could come back here before somebody's getting baptized. Like, like, like we were just talking back here before Cassie got baptized and, and we're just like, you know what? Like, she's like, I can't believe like, you're, like Mandy gets to baptize me. And I'm like, well, we're all just the same. Like, like there is no, don't ever look at your pastor as he's up here. No, we, we're all in this together. And that night of worship, dirty laundry, where we had people just say, hey, here was a dark season of my life. And here's where things got really hairy, but here's where God stepped in. And being able to share our testimonies and share our weaknesses and share our stories, that's what I love about Fern Creek. One of the things I love is I celebrate dirty laundry. We put in three baby boxes last year, two in PRP, one in Shively. We raised enough money to put in a fifth and a sixth baby box. Again, it's just a, we want pregnant moms to know that if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're afraid, and you're thinking about ending the life of that baby, you're putting that baby, God forbid, in a dumpster. There is a place you can go, a safe place where you can surrender that child and that child will be given a second chance. So to be able to put four of those up and running and to have two more in the works, man, I celebrate how we're championing life and supporting moms in need. Uh, we've had so many people go on local and global mission trips there's something about being the hands and feet of Jesus, getting out of your comfort zone and serving. Uh, I celebrate all of that. You're gonna be hearing about more of that coming up in 2023, but I'm so thankful for, for those groups and those trips. I'm thankful for our leadership. I, 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 I need to champion better uh, our leadership structure. You, there are men and women behind the scenes that you never get to see. I wanna introduce you to some of them this morning. Take a look at the following uh, graphic. I want to, our elders, so we'll tell you about our elders real quick. Stan Raley, Jeff Hale, Warren Danley, David Kaiser, Joe Redmond, John Moser. So our governance model is, is how, how do they, how did the church governance work in the New Testament? Well, whenever church was started, they would elect elders. 
men of spiritual renown, right, who, who oversaw the spiritual needs of the church. And our elders meet twice a month, at least twice a month, oftentimes a lot more than that. But once a month, it's a business meeting where we talk about what God is doing and where is he leading and what should we be doing and responding. But another time of the month is just about prayer. They pray for you. Your name, anytime you put a prayer request down, man, that is prayed for by somebody. When the elders get together, man, we're, who needs prayer? And sometimes people come in and they put their hands on people and pray over people. But you've got elders, you've got men who, man, are spiritually overseeing you in such a healthy way. They don't get paid a dime and they give all this time and attention. So I thank God for our elders. You can look at our deacons, Mark Bricken, Jeff Stout, John Altman, Jerry Doyle, Doug Morris, Scott Halfling, Zach Meyer, Brian Clark, Jay Edlin. The, the, the deacons of the church, of the elders, the spiritual overseers, the deacons are the, are the ministry partners. So man, when you read about deacons in the New Testament, man, they were, the, they were kind of the workers of the church. So we got these men who serve in different capacities and they are leading and man, you got a great set of deacons that are serving the church faithfully. And then our church staff, I mean, you see all their names there. We got an amazing staff that week in and week out is just prayerfully considering how to invest in the kingdom and how to lead well. So thankful to serve with this great group of leaders. Here's what I want you to do. If you would do me a favor, if, if you look at this list, could, could you just find a couple of names? Maybe names you don't even know. Maybe names you don't even know. Would you, would you add those names to your prayer list? Satan would love nothing more than to throw a wrench into what's happening at Fern Creek right now. And I fully know the key to countering that is prayer, right? I can't tell you, like I'll have on occasion, I'll have somebody walk up to me and say, how can I be praying for you? Or I want you to know, Craig, I pray for you on a daily basis. And I, and I look at that person in the eyes and I say, I can't thank, thank you. It's, it, it's not like a slow, oh, well, yeah. No, no. You gotta understand, to be a prayer warrior for the leadership of this church, I, I couldn't ask anything more of you. So, so, so pray, pray for our leadership, pray for our staff as we you know, pray for our unity, pray for our, our sense of hearing God, you know, our humility, continue to pray because I know that that is gonna be uh, something that's gonna, gonna be really, really important always important. Now, and as we go through all this, of these victories, I don't want anybody to think that, that we're trying to puff ourselves up, that we're ringing our own bell. Not, not, not at all. Um, we, we are the clay. He is the potter. We, we are the fruit, but he, he is the vine. And we fully understand that without his blessing, without his favor, we, we can do nothing. Listen to this, Here, here's the scripture that I think guides at least my thought process. I think I can speak for all of our leadership. I think all of our leadership would say that's exactly the way we wanna roll. Look at Ephesians chapter three. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. So friends, it is, it is the glory of God, it is the power of God that we celebrate any victory. So here's what I wanna do before we talk about 2023. Let me just pause. Can, can I give you uh, 20, 30 seconds? And would you just go to the throne and thank God for what he's doing in our midst? And let's give him glory and then we'll move on. Let's pray together. Let's pray together.
God, we celebrate you today. We celebrate your goodness, your favor, your grace. God, you, you use cracked, broken, ordinary vessels to do incredible things. We take no pride in ourselves. We glory in the cross. We glory in your power. We can do nothing without you. So thank you. Help us to proclaim the name of Jesus, the one who makes everything possible. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. It it has been a fantastic, fantastic 2022. So thank you for being a part of that. I want to just kind of unpack, just as we think about vision, I want to unpack a little of 2023, kind of wet your whistle a little bit, kind of get some things in front of you so you can start praying. Uh, One of the things, and today we started it, we we got one service, three brand new times. You know, we were doing um, kind of a traditional service, first hour, and then a blended service, hours two and three, and we did that for a long time. And today we've kind of, is kind of our initial, we, we, we changed that. And let me tell you why we've gone with one style of worship across three new time slots. One of the things that we've been praying about as a leadership is God, how do we, how do we be good stewards financially? You got to understand something. A lot of churches are in financial trouble. They don't live within their means. You know, we, we don't stand up here and pound and say, you need to keep giving. And there's an offering meditation every Sunday and, it, it, it's a very low key approach because our elders have been great stewards and God has blessed us. And we, we recognize that and we want to be, continue to be good stewards. So as we've grown as a congregation, as we've grown, you know, um, when I was in school, they, they would say, well, if the church grows, you need to build a bigger box. You need to spend more money and bigger, build a footprint. And that means more debt. And, and, and we've stepped back and we said, well, this is probably not a good time to add more debt. You know, we have a debt on this building and it's being paid and we have money set aside and managing it very well. But we, we all agree that no more new debt. And so instead of going to build a brand new addition, what we've decided to do is to do three phases. The first phase is we looked around and we said, you know what? We think with a few, with a little reshuffling financially, it won't cost us anything if we just shuffle some things. And so sanctuary wise, like you look around and you see space in first service, you look around, you see space in third service, you look around, you see a little less space, but you still see space. Our problem with space is not in here. Our problem with space is in every other auxiliary room. So when we were doing two different styles of worship in that first, you know, like, you know, traditional service and then the blended, everybody wanted that 10 o'clock hour for their life group. And so at 10 o'clock, every room was full every auxiliary room, every auxiliary room in the kids wing was full. So there's no way to, couldn't put people anywhere. So the reshuffle was like, hey, why why don't we have one service? And that way everybody can kind of figure out, okay, it's one style of service. And then we can kind of spread people out that might buy us a little more time. And and that's, I think what's going to happen. And so what I want to tell you is how how will service look? Because again, you know, you want to ruffle people, start talking about worship styles, right? I want this. I want that. You should be doing that. Why are we singing that again? I hate that. So I like, you know what I'm saying? So, so what we said is, listen, we're a family and we have amazing differences and that's fine. But, you know, as a family, we got to learn to come together. And so what we're going to do is once a month, once a month, 
it'll be nothing but some of the old hymns of the faith. So, so one Sunday a month, you're gonna come in and you're gonna learn. We, we, we want our younger people to know the great hymns of the faith. Amen. Man, there's something that's, that's missing if you don't know these great hymns of the faith. So once a month, it'll be nothing but hymns. Other weeks, we're gonna have a blend. There'll be a lot of contemporary. There'll be hymns sprinkled along the way in those other weeks, but we want you to come to church not going, that's my music, that's our music. And we want some of the younger people to know the great hymns of the faith. We want some of our older people to know the great current songs of the faith. So as you come in, so, the, so that's, that's the desire. One same service across three new times with the sole purpose of being good stewards financially. Now, that, you know, if God continues to bless us, well, what, what are you gonna do then if, if you run out of space? Well, we've got current existing space that we're asking questions about. No, nothing's been answered, but we're starting to ask questions about an existing space like, could that be repurposed somewhere down the line? For example, we're not doing this. Don't go out of here and say we're doing this. But one of the questions we're asking is office space. Do you really need offices today? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But do you know to rebuild that office wing as an addition would be about $700,000? So again, it's just a question. Do we have existing space that we could repurpose that would be a whole lot more economically you know, responsible? That would be phase two to ask those kinds of questions. And then phase three would be, man, we just gotta add additional space. So again, you've got incredible leaders who are thinking strategically and I thank God for those leaders who are doing that. So, so again, I just want one style of service, three new times. That's kind of why we're doing what we're doing. Here's another thing I'm excited about. Next week, we're starting a 15 week series going through the gospel of Matthew. Talk more about sermon series in just a second. But one of the things we're really excited about, and you could, I'd encourage you to pick it up today. On your way out, Rich and his team have put together what we call our Jesus Journey Journal. The series for 15 weeks is gonna be, who is Jesus? So we're going through the Gospel of Matthew. It's gonna be kind of an exegetical series. And this journal is beautiful. Like, like if you're go, like, God, I don't know what, like, how do I grow? Like, I'm in a rut. Like, how do I even read the Bible? I don't understand it. Like, where would I even start? Get, get, get this journal. Because what the journal is gonna do is it's gonna, bring it with you on Sunday because it's gonna give you an opportunity to write some notes as we go through the gospel of Matthew. But, but it also is gonna give you a daily reading, maybe a chapter, at most, maybe 17 verses, 20 verses, 30 verses, where you, you set aside, aside time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's just a five-day reading journal. You got a prompt question on Saturday, but it's stuff like, what, what stood out to me in these verses? Rewrite in, in my own words, the observations. What am I gonna do with this? Here, what, what am I praying about today? And, and what am I, what, what's God sharing with me and what do I need to share with others? I, I'm telling you, this, this is brilliant. It'll cost you, we, the original cost was seven bucks just to cover printing. We had a generous donor who threw some money into this and now they're only gonna cost you five bucks. So for five bucks, you've got a 15 week Jesus journey journal that will help you grow spiritually as a congregation. I can't wait to navigate through the gospel of Matthew. So again, I'm excited about what God's gonna do in the next 15 weeks. Another thing I'm excited about that I want you to be praying about is this coming December, we just got through with community Christmas, we're taking a break, we're gonna take a breather. from doing. We're not gonna do community Christmas this year. We, we all kind of, everything's gotta take a break. So we're gonna hit the pause button on that and we're gonna do something called, maybe you're familiar with it, Operation Christmas Child, the shoe boxes. 
So we're gonna encourage you and your family to adopt kids and to put a little shoebox together. So that's gonna be kind of our big push for Christmas. Can't wait to share that with you. We're gonna be doing dinners for eight again this summer where we're gonna encourage you to, to sign up and have, share a meal with, with some folks in the family. This summer, um, so, so, so again, pre preaching wise, um, strongly committed to strong preaching. So, so every year when I go away in July to plan the next year, pray and say, okay, God, wh where are you calling us to go as a congregation? So there's topics. So we'll do a series on family or a series on marriage or a series on finances. There's Mother's Day, Father's Day. So there's, there's some series, topical series. But there's nothing that beats strong exegetical preaching, getting into the text, covering large chunks of text. So always want something in the New Testament for you in the year and always want something Old Testament. So New Te 15 weeks in the book of Matthew. I mean, you're gonna know the gospel of Matthew inside and out after 15 weeks. In the summer, are you ready for this? <laughs> I hope you come back. Um, 12 weeks, I'm gonna take you through the minor prophets. You say the minor who, <laughs> right? It might not be a section of scripture that you normally read, but after 12 weeks, you're gonna know all the minor prophets because we're gonna go back to getting into that text. And what, is the, what, what, what do they even mean and who are they? So that's gonna be a series I can't wait to unpack with you. We've got lots of local and global mission trip opportunities. We're gonna ask you to step out and serve. Lots of life group opportunities. Can't wait. I'm just so excited about what God has got in store for us. And I wanna close as we... We're gonna pray about the new year here in just a second. But, but there's a story I read, as I was thinking about the excitement of the new year. I read this story and I'm like, that's us. That is us. There's a guy named Herman Ostry. Herman Ostry brought, bought a piece of property in Bruno, Nebraska. And he decided to build a barn. Um, <laughs> he didn't really study it very well, but he built his barn by a creek on his property. And, he got one of these deluges of rain that's common to the, to the area and his barn flooded 29 inches of water in his new barn. And he was just beside himself. Well, he had a son named Mike who was an engineer. And Mike said, well, we, we gotta fix this. How can we fix this? So Mike began to figure out how heavy that barn was. So he counted every board, counted all the nails, counted every, he estimated that the barn weighed 19,000 pounds. And then he calculated. He said, if 344 people can lift 55 pounds each, we can carry this barn to a new location. And everybody thought he was crazy, but he, he didn't take no, so he built this grid underneath the barn. He had 344 handles, this grid underneath the barn with these handles. And then the, on one certain day, the whole town of Bruno, Nebraska showed up. 344 people standing beside a handle and Mike said, on the count of three, we're gonna lift. One. Two, three, they all lifted 19 tons. And in three minutes, they walked this barn 50 yards and put it into a new place. And I read that and I went, that's us. That, that is for, listen, I don't know where God's calling us to go, but there's a handle with your name on it. We, we need you, every single one of you to help us lift. Look at Psalm 92.13. If there's one scripture I'd ask that you'd take with you, Psalm 92.13, this is what the church ought to be. Those who are planted 
in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. I don't care where life, you, you could never use me. I, no, you're exactly who we need to use. Well, I, I'm too young. I'm too old. No, no. There, there, there's a handle with your the, there are a lot of great groups to be, to be involved with in our community. You can be in the Kiwanis, you can be in the chamber, you can be in the scouts, lots of great civic work. There is nothing like being part of a flourishing church. And this is eternal. What we're doing has eternal ripples. And so, man, I, I just pray as we, as we end today, I wanna pray with you. We thank God for his faithfulness. Let's now say, God, we invite you wherever you want to go in 2023. Man, would you walk with us? Because if you don't go with us, we're in big trouble. But if you go with us, man, the sky's the limit. Let's pray together. Hey, it's Matt Zola again. That was a powerful message we just heard. I pray that what we have learned today wouldn't just be stored in our minds, but would move into our hearts and help us to be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus. And I pray that that message helped you become a better follower of Jesus and taught you how to love, live, and lead like Jesus. If you want to talk with somebody about something you just heard or you want prayer for something going on in your life, there's somebody on staff who would love to connect with you. Why don't you email us at office at ferncreekcc.org and we want to put a name to your face. We want to know your story and we want to connect with you in person if we can. Again, that's office at ferncreekcc.org. You know, one of the things we value at Fern Creek Christian Church is being a part of community. If you've been listening to our sermons online or you've been watching our services on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you come visit us in person one Sunday? We would love to get to know who you are, and we believe that we grow better as followers of Jesus in community and not in isolation. You know, God gives us community as a gift. We have services every Sunday morning, 845, 10, and 1115, and we hope that you'll feel welcomed enough to be able to join us and worship with us in person. Thanks for tuning in today. Grace, peace, bless others this week.